Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. God is good. And all the time. Oh, there's some Baptist folk in here, anybody? We, was, we took communion and uh, God rest her soul, my mother-in-law, Mama Betty. I remember when we first started the church. You remember this, kid. Started the church. As soon as we took communion, she started singing. I, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. And I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died on the cross. And I know it was the blood for me. Yeah. Where's the T-Ra? T-Ra, we need to start singing some hymns up in this place, man. I know it's going to be some work to try to update them, but there's just something powerful about some church hymns. Praise, yes. How great thou art. All that good stuff, man. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, first um, uh, thing I want to say is uh, do, doy gracias a Dios por los hombres um, que ayudarán uh, con el trabajo en esta uh, iglesia aquí. Uh, Dios bendiga sus manos. I really, I really mean that. I, what I said was, God bless uh, all the men that have helped with the work here at the church, the building Christian fellowship. And I just ask the Lord to bless your hands, uh, that he gives back to you the time that you have spent. I, I, I just have to brag a little bit on men of God. And listen, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. It's in men that, that you're here, I expect something from you. And sometimes I can't thank you or make you stand up and, you know, people pat you on the back because, after all, you know, this is your house. I expect you to do certain things. Amen. You guys get it? Uh, my, my son, my youngest son is 13 years old. I don't clap my hands when he, when he cleans his room. It's what he's supposed to do. I'm, I almost feel a message coming on called supposed to. But no, so listen, I, it, that's what we do. It's our house. It's not John's house. It's our house. It's God's house. And God wants us here as men to take care of his house. And, and, but, but I remember on the night of vision, night that we cast, it was a year ago, almost, uh, almost it, yeah, it's been past a year, a year and a month. We sat here and we cast a vision of what uh, phase two is going to be like. And there was this brother that came to hear it, and his brother Inez. And Brother Inez, doesn't know, he doesn't go to this church. He belongs to another church. Is he a pastor? He's a pastor? He's the men's leader of the church, okay? And he loves God. And he was here as we were talking about the vision. And you talking about somebody that got excited. He got so excited about the vision. He goes, pastor, pastor, please let me build you an altar. Now I'm like, okay, because in church today, you know, it's, it's a platform. It's a stage. And we've lost what this really is. It's an altar. It's raised up. And, 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 and this is where right here God meets us. And he said, he said, let me build your altar. At first I'm thinking, okay, he's going to build me a little something I could put in my office and, you know, some stones or something. But no, he literally meant I want to build the platform for you. And I said, okay, I don't know this guy. I don't know him, but then when he found out it was time for us to start working on that stage, he didn't come by himself. He came with a crew of men that don't go to this church. They have other churches that they go to, and listen to this, you guys. They came in, and this is what they said. They said it is an honor and a privilege to be building the house of God. Yeah. 
man, amazing, blew my mind, that they have nothing earthly to benefit from coming in here on their day off and stay here all day, all day and work. And they're, they're coming back next weekend. Now, I'm excited about that, but I, I do have to say that I, I would never let somebody come over my house and outwork me. You can help me work in my house, but you ain't going to do the work for me. I'm trying to get you guys to get that same attitude. Hey, good. I'm glad that you're here helping on our house, but when are we going to meet again, Pastor? The true mark of a man is one that has to ask to, be, to work. The true mark of a man, he sees the work and puts his hands to it. I'm teaching you guys something. I know some of us around here may not have grown up with, with, with fathers and understand. It's like, well, I, you know, I didn't know you was here. Well, you know there's work going on, gentlemen. You guys know there's work going on. If somebody that doesn't go to this church knew that something was happening, it's all right. There's going to be a lot of that today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, um, before I get into my message, I just want to uh, share, well, I do want to share this part, is to see God move like that on behalf of the church. You know it's nothing but God. And I know as Saturday, we worked hard. Carlos and I, we were working. All the guys were here that were working hard, and, and we were the last two left. And, you know, me and Carlos are sentimental guys, and you know, and he's, he's walking out the door, and he stops, and he turns, and he looks at me, and I'm just looking at him as he's walking off. He takes a couple more steps and stops and looks at me. We're kind of like that old romantic movie of two couples <laughs> that can't leave each other. It was sick. But anyway, as he's walking off, he stopped, and I looked at him, and I looked at him. I said, Brother Carlos, I'm full. I'm full. If you guys don't know what that means, it means I'm full of gratefulness. God has blessed me so much today to see people, men, coming together and working hard in the house of God and that God is blessing us. It just left me just full. And uh, I just thank God for that. So um, with that being said, guys, you know, over the last few weeks, we've been uh, talking about how God is growing our church and what things are happening. And uh, there's this thing that's hit our leadership, and, and basically, basically it's this. It's about holiness and righteousness, okay? There's things that have been led into the church, and we've been messing around with it, and it's diluting the church. People are talking about the church has lost their power, and they're like, because we haven't been praying, because we haven't been fasting. No, we're still praying. We're still fasting, but we let too much of the worldly thought life and everything else come into this world, and guess what? The church has lost its power. But now God is calling us back to like the first century church. So what you're going to be hearing over the next few weeks are going to be some hard things that are going to be said. I told that we had the huddle every morning, and I told everybody in the huddle, I said, Jesus saw a crowd, and he looked around, and he knew, all these people only follow me for the benefits. People come to church for benefits. They love community, they love the singing, and if it's a light-skinned pastor, bald-head pastor that says something funny, they like it. But you can be in church and like all that and not still be saved. And see, what happens, what happens is Jesus looked at the multitude, he says, okay, I know how to get rid of them. I know how to get rid of the people that ain't supposed to be here, are only here for themselves, really. He said this, unless you eat of my flesh, and drink of my blood, you shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible says that people were offended and walked away. And Jesus looked at the other disciples and said, you guys going to go too? They were like, no, master, you have the words of life. So what I'm saying is over the next few weeks, months, I don't know how God's going to take it. There's going to be some offensive things that are going to come across and be said. And I'm not using my opinion. I'm not using my point of view. I will be using the Bible. And I will give it to you because I want to see you guys saved when Jesus comes back. I want to see you in that number. I don't want you coming to the church after the rapture trying to figure out what happened. Because we can deceive ourselves. The biggest enemy that we have isn't the devil. 
it's us. Amen. Amen. So, let me look at my time. Amen, I got time. So today, we're going to go back to Sunday school. Hoy volveremos, volveremos a la escuela dominical. La ley, eso le que piensas. The law is what you think. The law is what you think. In el libro de Éxodo, in the book of Exodus, Dios le dio a Moses los diez mandamientos. God gave Moses ten commandments. Esta fueron un conjunto detallado de reglas que las dieron a las Israelitas. These were the detailed set of rules that, the, that told the Israelites sobre convivir y mantener su relación con Dios y el hombre, on how to live and maintain the relationship with God and man. In otras palabras, in other words, la ley de Moisés, the, the Mosaic law, uh, fue creada para tratar el comportamiento de las personas. The Mosaic Law was created to deal with our behavior. La ley era perfecta. The law was perfect. Uh, ya que mostraba a las personas su pecado. It showed us our sin. So the law, we read it. When we mess up, we know that we mess up because the law is there. It's written down. That's how we know what our sin is. El problema con le, la ley, the problem with the law, era que nos mostraba nuestro pecado, was that it showed us our sin, pero no nos liberaba de nuestro pecado, but it didn't free us from our sin. That's why we had to make sacrifices. That's why they killed uh, animals on behalf of the men to atonement for their sins. Now, before I continue, tengo que decir que I have to say, la ley se ocupó de lo que no hizo lo que pensaba. The law dealt with what you did, not with what you thought. The law deals with what you do, not what you think. Como las leyes de hoy. It's just like the laws of today. Listen. You cannot be arrested or charged for a crime if you tell the police, yeah, yeah, I wanted to kill him. If you're brought in for questioning and they go, did you murder this person? You go, I thought about it. Yeah, I wanted to kill him. It's not a crime to think about killing somebody. Amen. It's when you plan it out and then do it. it, becomes a crime. Follow me. The law is written to judge your behavior. There has to be an action for you to be judged by the law. Amen. That's just normal law. So the law of God was the same thing. It dealt with your actions. Amen. Now, when I was in uh, the military, we were before cadre, teachers, they always would, when they're teaching us stuff, they would do this. Every time there was something that we needed to learn and we were going to be asked later. So it's like, here's a hint. What I'm about to say, you better remember, okay? So you guys remember that, small groups. All right. <laughs> the law of God is the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and the Ten Commandments are this. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make Idols, that's two. Three, you shall not take the name, the name of the Lord in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And ten, you shall not covet. Now, we read these and everybody's like, yeah, but I want to tell you that the first four commandments that were given by God, that were written by his hands, deals with man's relationship with God. Amen. 
He says, you shall not have no other gods before me. This is where a lot of us mess this up. Just because he says you won't have other gods before me doesn't mean that you can have other gods. Just, you know, I want to be before all the other gods in your life. No. He says, I am the Lord thy God. There are no other gods but me, and you will not worship any other gods but me. Because he's acknowledging that there are other gods, little g, out there. Then number two, he goes on to say that you shall not make any graven images, any idols of that which is in the air or in the sea or any creeping thing. They're cutting out idols and worshiping things that you've made up yourself. God says, don't do that. Why? Because he wants to be in relationship with us. Then he said, you will not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. A lot of us really believe that taking the Lord God's name in vain means this. Well, if you, somebody hits you and you go, oh, God. Oh, don't use the Lord's name in vain. No, 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 that's not what that means. Using the Lord's, Lord's name in vain is always saying, well, God told me. This is what the Lord said. When you're using his name in vain, when he never said it, he said, don't embark my name. Don't, don't invoke my name on your own feelings, on your own behalf. You're using my name in vain. Mm. And then he says, Keep, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, I want you to understand that God made the Sabbath day for man, not for him. And when we get this mixed up, the Sabbath day is not Sunday. The seventh day is Saturday. That's the Sabbath day, according to Jewish law. But the reason why he made the Sabbath is six days God worked, and on the seventh day he rested, which was Saturday. And that rest is he gave that to us. He says on, on the Sabbath day, you need to take a rest day. Make it holy. I'm making it so that after all your labor, you can rest, enjoy the fruits of your labor, and you'll be able to get in communion with me on, on the Sabbath and with God's people. That's what he wants you to do, whether it's Saturday or it's a Sunday, or maybe you work Saturday and Sunday, and maybe it's like a Tuesday that you just come to Bible study and you fellowship. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to have a Sabbath day. Then we go on and look at the rest of them, and it deals with how we get along with people. I do want to say this right here. Honor your father and mother. Honor them. Watch this. What if you have a father that's not an honorable man? What if he never did anything for you? What if he beats on you? What if he talks bad to you? What are you supposed to do? Honor him anyway. Because the commandment doesn't say honor your mother and father if they're honorable to you. The key thing with this scripture is, and, and, and Paul wrote it in Ephesians, I believe in chapter 6, he says, honor your mother and father in the Lord so that it will be well with you, that you will have long life. Because I'm here to tell you, if you don't honor your mother and father, you may force them to break the, number, the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. You know, some of y'all be wanting to kill your kids. You know what I'm talking about. Well, we know what you shall not murder is. You shall not plot to kill somebody unjustly. You shall not murder doesn't mean that a person that commits murder can't be sentenced to death. A person that murders somebody else, this you shall not murder does not mean that you shall not put somebody to death. Capital punishment is biblical. Mm, mm, Christians, read your Bible. Amen. Then the rest of it, you shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery. Everybody knows what that is. You shall not commit adultery whether it is uh, in a marriage or in your commitment with God. That's worshiping other gods. You shall, you shall not bear witness, false witness, against your neighbors. All right? For some of you guys out there, it's not, that's like lying while you dry snitching. Don't do it. <laughs> then you shall not covet. What's the difference between being jealous and coveting? Coveting will lead you to do things to get what somebody else has. All right. Now, that's the Ten Commandments. In the, in the Ten Commandments, there was a 613 Mosaic laws found in the Torah, and these are all summed up. 613 laws in the Torah that was written by the hand of Moses, but they were all summed up in the Ten Commandments. So you have 613 laws that were all summed up like... A, so instead of reading all 613, it's all summed up in the Ten Commandments. Then Jesus came, and he summed up the Ten Commandments into two commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
If you do those two, you will fulfill the 10, which also means you will fulfill the 613. Amen. Now listen, fulfilling the law is not required for salvation, but the Ten Commandments are the foundation of God's moral law. Write that down so you guys will understand. We will be talking about this because we live in a day and age where people's morals change. If you don't have a basis for morality, then morality runs wild. That's why today things that weren't good back in the 50s, back in the 50s, they're saying, no, 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 we can't do this, we can't do that. And then now we're saying, it's okay. We've changed. No, we have to have a foundation a rock-solid foundation that gives us our morals, and that is found in the Word of God in the Ten Commandments. It's found in God's law. If we don't adhere to the law, then we will be a nation running wild and being wicked, and God will leave this nation. Now, with that being said, there's this teaching that is going around churches today in la iglesia de Jesucristo que dice, está bien pensarlo mientras no lo hagas. There's a teaching going around in the church of God that's saying this. It's okay if you think about sin as long as you don't do it. They're telling people this. They say, look, man, you know, it's the law. And because of the law, as long as you don't do it, you can't be held guilty for it, right? That's what we said the law is. It's for our actions. So, so for instance, the, one of the reasons why it's happening is because, uh, you know, as a pastor, and I, let me just ask you something. If you know I was in sin or I had some sin issues and I keep thinking about it, would you guys want even me to be your leader? No. If I was thinking a bunch of ungodly thoughts constantly, even though I'm not doing them, it, but, but, you know, the Bible specifically speaks out about it, you wouldn't want me to be your leader if you knew what my thoughts were, if it was sinful thoughts. So what's happening, and I'm just sharing this with you, is the reason why they're changing is because there's pastors that have same-sex attractions. And they're saying it's okay, pastor, to, to, to think about it and to have those feelings and think about it but just don't act on them. But the law deals with your actions. Well, I need to tell you it's a lie from Satan. As I said earlier, the law deals with your actions, but Jesus deals with your heart. It's not about what you do. It's about what you think. We're going to talk about your thought life. Watch this. Matthew chapter 5, 27 through 28. It says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Ten commandments, right? It's the law written down to judge our actions. 28 says this, but I say to you, that whoever looks up at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So this, I, just, I just, in all fairness of today, and especially being in California, since I don't want to be seen as sexist, let me read this again. But I say to you, whoever looks at a man to lust after him has already committed adultery in Yeah, that's for everybody, just in case. I had to put it together for y'all. And I know what most of y'all are thinking right now. You're looking at me, well, pastor, that's the law, but we're not under the law anymore. We're under the dispensation of grace. And the grace came that, that you know, so if we mess up, grace helps us back up. Well, yeah, I know you're saying that, but let me tell you something. Grace is not forever for you to sin. And like, oh, I'm under God's grace. And if, oh, if you mess up, God's grace. No, that's not what it's for. Grace is for the transition from life, I mean, from death to life. That's what grace is for. It's there to help you to make that transition. The other words, this is the word that's used. Grace is for sanctification. What we have gotten mixed up as a church is that we think 
that, that when we mess up, that God has had his grace on us. No, it's his mercy. His mercy. Mercy is the dam that holds back judgment. But once that dam breaks, you'll receive it. God said, I shall not be mocked. For whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. A lot of us mistake that when we, we, when we uh, sin, that we think it must be okay. God's okay with it. He's putting his grace on it. No. Never mistake your sin for God's approval. See, the law doesn't sanctify me. Jesus does. And since Jesus deals with our heart, and Jesus is grace incarnate, I mean, he's, he's grace in flesh. He deals with my heart. That's why when we pray, we go, ask Jesus into your heart. And when you ask Jesus into your heart, grace comes into your heart. Grace isn't for your actions. Grace is for your heart. Grace isn't to cover when you do things wrong on the outside. Grace is to cover your heart when you start thinking about it. Mercy is for your actions. Grace is for your heart. See, my walk with God is a heart issue, not a law issue. But if I truly walk with God, I will obey his laws because he'll put the laws in my heart. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Everybody says the law's passed away. We don't have to go with the law. We don't have to do this. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. That's why I said, lo, it has been written about me in a book. I come to you in the volume of a book, which is the word. And the word is grace. And the grace comes into my heart. God said that he will put that grace in us. Watch this. I love this. Hebrews 10 and 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Covenant. A marriage. When I give my life to Christ, God said, I'll make a covenant with you. And this is what he says. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. God will naturally write his laws upon your heart. When you are in covenant with Christ, you just know better. You guys, you guys get what I'm saying? Where in the Bible do you find don't trip a blind man. Is it in there? When you find it, let me know. Don't trip a blind man. How many knows it's wrong to trip a blind man? It ain't got to be written in the Bible. Why? Because God put right and wrong on our hearts. The law written on our hearts. Now, I'm saying all this to warn you. If you are in here and you're having problems with your thought life, you may not have totally surrendered your heart to Jesus. Men of God, I'm here to tell you, you know, I read the scripture, but sometimes, you know, you may see a woman and, and think about her, or, or, wow, she's good, and she's nice, she's pretty, and she's nice to me, and, and you pat yourself on the back because you didn't get at her. <laughs> you guys know what that means, my because You didn't get her number. But the truth of the matter is, what were you thinking about? What were you thinking about? Do you realize that even though you're judging yourself by your actions, God is judging you by your heart and your thought life? Now, now I do have to say, you know, a lot of us, and I'm just naming off the, the you know, I can name off fornication and, and adultery and homosexuality and all this other stuff. But let's talk about some, some other things that we do. Let's talk about our thought life when we look at ourselves in the mirror and we sit down and go, I wish I didn't look like this. I'll never be anything. That's a sin. You know why it's a sin? Because the Bible declares that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in the image of God. And for you to be made in the image of God, when you talk about yourself, when you think down upon yourself, is to talk about God's creation. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make things that are perfectly imperfect. God made you the way that you are, and how wonderful is his works. You need to be looking at yourself and be like, oh, God, you, you, did, you did a good job. <laughs> Listen, the enemy wants you to feel that it's okay 
that you didn't do it. I'm about to hurt y'all right now. You ready? Here goes one of those things. It ain't the devil. It ain't that. That's not the enemy. The enemy's you. You're your worst enemy. Everybody blaming the devil. We give him the devil for more credit, giving him credit for stuff he ain't even doing. He's sitting back like, mm, I'll, I'll take it. Hey, he ain't had to do nothing. Do you realize in the New Testament, it talks more about us crucifying our flesh than it does about the devil messing with us? But we refuse to crucify our flesh, and then when we get caught up in sin, we get all upset. Oh, dumb devil. It wasn't the devil. It's because we were thinking about it. We saw it. We thought about it, thought about it, and eventually we do it. We do it. It's called the process of sin. See, the problem is with thinking about it means eventually you're going to do it. Nobody falls into sin. That's why it's so hard when somebody says, man, you know, I, I was just there and it happened. No, it didn't. I'm, I'm about to break up some of y'all's excuses that y'all been telling each other. Oh, man, I didn't even know, uh, you know, I was just there and we were just hanging out and all of a sudden I just found myself. No. The truth of the matter is, you were thinking about it beforehand. It had been playing over in your mind. It may not be with that person. It may not have been that crime. But you were thinking about something else. That when the thought, when the opportunity presented itself, you had no power over that sin and you went right into it. It was already in you. According to James chapter 1, 14 through 15, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death, which means separation from God. Holiness or nothing. You can't just make your hands holy. You got to make your heart holy. <laughs> Praise God. The funny part about it is you took so much time looking at it and so much time thinking about it. This is when the enemy gets in line because he's like, oh, I see what's up. And he's going to put that right in your walk. He's going to put it there because he has no power over you. He can't make you do anything. But he knows what's in you. He recognizes man. He's, he saw what was in Abraham. He saw what was inside of Cain. He, he saw what was inside of Saul. He, he saw what was inside of all these men. He saw what was inside of Eve and, and even Adam. And he, he saw all he did was, I know what's inside them. I know what's going to entice them. I'll just give it a thought. I'll just put it there and I'll make it look good. And I'll know they'll take it because they've been thinking about it. Think about it. Look at Eve. Look at Eve. God already told her of any of the thousands of trees in the garden you can eat from, just don't eat from these two trees. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and don't eat from the tree of life. But you know what she was doing? And this, I can just imagine this, you know, because we read it and think it happens simultaneously. We don't think about the years that went by. We don't understand what was going on. But I, I, just, I just wondered that every time she walked by the tree she couldn't have, she was like. <laughs> Next day. <laughs> tree show looks good. Funny part is that she's so focused on what she couldn't have when she had a thousand other trees to eat from. One tree she couldn't have. So now that she looked at it and looked at it, she looked at it, she started thinking about it. She didn't even have to be near the tree. Now she's imagining it. She's thinking about it. The enemy says, okay. He says, hey, you know God didn't really say if you eat from this tree that you would die, did he? She gave in. You guys know the story. That's why we're here. <laughs> Y'all sitting down again. Yeah, stupid Eve, stupid Eve. It wasn't recorded. I'm, I'm the one saying stupid Adam. Because Adam was the one that was charged to have dominion over the land. And he didn't have dominion. 
over his wife. He should have been protecting his wife. And what gets me is everybody said Adam must have been out doing something while the devil was talking. I believe he was right there with her. Being a coward. I'm not, that's, another, that's a man's message. Okay. So, Proverbs chapter 4, 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So basically it's this. Whatever's in your heart, you're going to do. The enemy knows it. He's seen all these men and women of God, all these people that are written in the Bible. He is a patient thing. He knows that if I can just get the seed in you, get you to think about it, I'll wait. Because I know he, he knows the process of sowing and reaping. He knows eventually if I can keep them thinking about it, eventually they are going to do it. You know, wait. So that, that's, that, that sin that you did yesterday didn't happen just in a week. It probably three years ago something happened that you kept on your mind and just kept and it built up till you get to the point that you don't have strength. That's why you got to guard your heart with all diligence. As I close, God is calling his people to have pure hearts. And that pure heart deals with our thought life. I said earlier, whatever your hearts, whatever's in your heart, you're going to do. That's why when we talk about giving and we talk about tithing, you know, people, people don't tithe because it's a heart issue. Jesus said this, where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Where your treasure is, where your heart's going to be at. Whatever you're investing in is where your heart's going to be. I can tell. It's, it's a heart issue. People, I don't believe in tithing. It's not here. It's not a head thing. It's, it's, it's your heart. It's so important about what you think. And I'm going to share this with you because a lot of you people probably don't even know this. Did you guys know that God destroyed the earth because of man's thoughts? You guys know that? Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's messed up. But they didn't do nothing. They didn't do, they were thinking about it. They had got to the point where their thoughts weren't even good anymore, they weren't even pure. They were continually wicked, and God sent the flood, destroyed the earth. Watch this. God, number two, God also disappointed a leader for his thoughts. Now, let me just bring this to your mind here. Disappoint. You can get appointed to a position, and when you mess up, you get disappointed. And God disappointed this leader. You guys know who this leader is. Let me read about him in Isaiah 14. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who are weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. We've seen TV, we've heard preachers, we see the movies about this huge battle that's going on in heaven with God and Satan like God has a foe. God doesn't have no foe. There's nobody to challenge him. He's too big for that. He's the creator of all things. He don't have to get in a fight with Satan. What you have to understand is Satan never even got the chance to rebel. The rebellion, the action of the rebellion never happened. It said that God knew his thoughts. He thought about rebelling. That's how important your thoughts are to God. He's not so busy looking at what you're doing. He's looking at what you're thinking. He's looking at what's in your heart. Even in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, once again, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your heart? That would mess me up. I don't know about you. If I'm sitting here thinking like, why you got them shoes on? I'm thinking that. And somebody goes, because I got them on sale. I'm like, 
was what Jesus did. There were times in the Bible that he didn't even answer people. He would know what people were thinking, and he would just react on it. He wouldn't even speak back to them. But in times like this, in Luke chapter 5, 22, it says, But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Why are you trying to come up with something to do to me in your hearts? I already know it. You guys know that God is not the only one that can see in your heart? Man can see in your heart. A man can see in your heart by what you do or what you say. I'm just just going to share something just real quick. You know where somebody's heart is by the way, what they do, and how they act and what they say. If somebody keeps saying some bad stuff to you, their heart's not in your relationship. If somebody keeps cheating and cheating and doing all this stuff, their heart's not in the relationship. If somebody keeps putting their hands on you, their heart is not in the relationship. Stop making excuses for them. When somebody's heart is in a relationship, they will serve you. When your heart belongs to God, you will serve him by serving his people. We had a guy yesterday uh, getting water out back, and it just sparked this thought with me, because it's the new age thing. You know, you hear us say it. We don't want you to come to church. We want you to become the church. Every time God sends out a word like that, a little rhema word, people take it and they distort it. And they, and they just, it's just, it's what the devil does. So watch this. This is the new thing. Man, I got the church in me. We had this dude who was getting some water. And of course, Brother Carlos opens up the door. He's getting water from our spigot. He goes, hey, man, I see you getting water, but we got the living water inside. Do you want some? He's like, oh, no, nah, I'm good, man. I got this. He's like, hey, man, anytime you want, come and visit us. This is the church. I got the church in me. Starts walking off. And it's, this is the thought that sparked me. That sparked to me. If you had the church, which means you have Jesus in your heart, you'd want to be a part of a fellowship. If you truly had the church of God, of Jesus Christ in your heart, you'll want to serve God by serving his people. But because you're not at church and because you don't uh, uh, fellowship, I know where your heart's at because of your actions. You get what I'm saying? And here's another thing. A, A man can see your heart by the word of God. If you're full of the word, you're full of the spirit of God, you're able to tell and see what somebody's thinking. called a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. It's called discernment. Let me, let me read a scripture to you because I told you I wasn't going to give my opinions, right? Okay. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. People that are full of the word of God, they'll be able to discern what your intentions are. I don't care how good how, how you try to fool somebody, all that other stuff. When you got the truth on the inside of you, Jesus is the way, he's the truth, he is the word. If you have that on the inside of you, you're full of God, somebody comes up to you and tells you a lie, you know a lie when you hear it because I know the truth. I know what you're doing. I see the intensity of your heart. I see what's going on. When people come up and want to do something for you and you think, oh, that's really nice. When really, they have ulterior motives. Has that ever happened to anybody? Like, I wish I wish I would have known. Not all guys that tell you you're pretty or want to marry you. They want to take advantage of you. Not every woman that comes up to you and thinks you're all buff and strong really means it. She just knows you got a good job. <laughs> Listen, God has given us grace. Not to sin over and over again, but to help change our hearts. That's what grace is for. This is why Paul begged the Roman church in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He begged them, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies, watch this, by the mercies of God. Because their hearts weren't changed. 
and he knows that their hearts weren't changed. That means they were going to keep sinning because God is judging their heart. He said, by the mercies of God, that dam is about to break. God is looking at you, giving you another chance. That's called mercy, not grace, because his judgment shall pour out on all ungodly, unrighteous people. He says, I'm begging you, Rome, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Paul knew it. If you don't change your thought life, the mercy of God will run out and you shall be judged. The problem with us is we are judging ourselves based upon our actions and not our hearts. We've mastered the law, but we haven't mastered our thought life. You guys are sitting here thinking, okay, man, I, I, man, I be thinking about these things and I be trying not to. I've been thinking about, I've exposed myself to so many things. I've, I've seen things because sin starts with what you see and then goes from what you see, you start thinking about it. It don't even have to be in front of you anymore. By the way, I'm doing the Forge Conference. If men, you need to come so you can hear how to erase and clean that, that hard drive of your mind. Some of y'all have been exposed to things that you shouldn't have been exposed to in your life and you've been set free from it, but for some reason you keep thinking about it. You can't get it off your mind. You have these graven images in your mind, and you're trying to get rid of them, but you can't be at the Forge Men's Conference. But anyway, Pastor, how do I get rid of it? How do I clear my mind? These thoughts keep popping up. Yeah, I made you aware that you have a thought problem, but the Bible, the Word of God is the answer. The Word of God, not just hearing it, but doing it. Because in 2 Corinthians, it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So every time that thought pops up, don't just shoo it away, grab it. If you guys, you know, a fly or a mosquito keeps buzzing around you, keep shooing it, it'll keep coming around until you kill it. Do you get it? That thought will keep shooing around and coming around in your mind every opportunity it gets, unless you kill it. Well, pastor, how do I grab it and bring it into captivity under, and, and bring it to the obedience of Christ? I'll tell you. I'm glad you asked. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. My, my, my God, my God. I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because this is part of the word. This is the part of what God has put in me and I really want to share it and I'm going to share it. See, some of us are married and, and, and I'm just going to tell you, men, you don't have to look at me. Don't look left or don't look right. Ladies, don't look left or don't look right. But I'm telling you right now, because we, we didn't follow God from being young and we've had multiple partners in our lives and we had multiple experiences, whether it was physical or on the TV or on the computer, when we come together in a covenant of marriage and we're with each other, well, why is it that we're always thinking about that last person we were with? Why is it that we're always thinking about what we saw on, on the TV or we saw on the computer? Because it's stained in our mind. It's a graven image. How can I get that? I cannot be intimate and give my all to my wife if I'm thinking about something or somebody else when I'm with her. You guys listening? It's spiritual fornication. It's spiritual adultery because God's looking at my heart. You, you, God, God doesn't turn his eyes away because he created that intimacy. He takes pleasure in that intimacy when a man and a woman become one because he created it. So it's a form of worship. But worship doesn't come from just being like this because now is the time and now is when God is seeking worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth because my worship isn't what I'm doing on the outside. The worship comes from what's going on in my heart. 
And if I'm worshiping with my wife and in my heart I'm somewhere else, it is not worship. I am now worshiping an idol. So when those thoughts arise, I say, okay, God, this is how I'm going to bring it into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. I'm going to think about whatever's just and honest and pure. I'm going to think about what's lovely. I'm going to think about good report. I'm going to think about, God, you died for me on the cross, that you bore my shame and my sin upon the cross when that thought comes in my mind. God, I thank you that you said a man that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and findeth favor with the Lord. God, I thank you that never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. See, I got to put the word on it. I got to bring it under the obedience of the word. And you have to understand that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. When I bring it under the word, I'm bringing it under Jesus and I'm bringing it under and making it subject to the obedience of God. It's the word. But too many of us are hearers and not doers. We know the word, but we don't do the word. God is calling us today to deal with our thought life, to deal with the disobedience that's not happening not on the outside, but here in our hearts. It's about what you think, not what you do. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.